Welcome to the She Recovers podcast. I'm Taryn Strong, co-founder with my mother, Don Nickel, of the grassroots movement and nonprofit public charity, She Recovers Foundation. She Recovers believes that we are all recovering from something, and here on the podcast, we examine the healing power of connection and intentional living, as well as what happens in our lives when we put down our past stories and pick up our soul's true purpose. If you are seeking accessible and individualized online therapy, I invite you to explore the extensive network of licensed and accredited therapists at BetterHelp. That's Better, H-E-L-P, who can help you with a range of issues including substance use, depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, grief, and more. Not only has BetterHelp made a $100,000 donation to She Recovers in support of our mission, They are also offering all of our listeners a 35% discount for the first month of online therapy services from now until December 31st, 2021. I invite you to say yes to receiving the relentless care and support you deserve by registering today at www.betterhelp.com slash SRF. That's www.betterhelp.com forward slash SRF. I hope you find connection, support, and empowerment in this week's episode with host Lisa Wall. It is an honor to share it with you. And so I'm very excited and honored to be hosting this discussion today as we do have a few very important people joining us. Uh, first and foremost, we have Two members from the She Recovers community, Susie and Jessica, who are going to be courageously and vulnerably sharing their experience of receiving individualized therapy through BetterHelp. And then we're also joined by the clinical therapist, Pesu, um, who will be speaking to the professional experience of this as well. So thank you all so much for your time and for your hearts and for your experience um, and to all who make this series possible. So first, again, I'm going to uh, take take some questions over to uh, Susie and Jessica. Um, I know you both have been receiving care uh, through the therapists at BetterHelp. So I'm just curious to know, I would love to talk to you both a little bit about your experience and what that's been like as recovering women. So Susie, I'd like to open the floor to you first. Uh, please do take a moment to introduce yourself, of course, um, and let us know, you know, how has receiving individual supportive of your recovery. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Susie Spitfire, and I am joining you from the traditional territory of the Lekwungen people, which is uh, Vic West is where I am in British Columbia. Um, And I'm in recovery from, I like to say life, because there's so many things, uh, diet culture, disordered eating, low self-worth with a healthy dose of negative self-talk. Um, bouts of codependency, intergenerational trauma, anxiety, depression, the list goes on and on. And um, last winter solstice, I decided that my relationship with alcohol was not a healthy one. So I gave it up. And uh, then I sort of, you know, made this decision that I probably needed help with this, um, or all the things really. And um, I just kind of mulled it over. And I had been always one that had taken uh, mindfulness courses or uh, CBT skills and all that sort of thing. And there were always group classes, which were great. It was super social. And of course, with this pandemic, um, that wasn't really available. It was all online. And then when I learned about BetterHelp, um, I got a therapist and it was really amazing. The difference between what you get in a group course, um, you know, sort of more like classes and school uh, situation where you're learning from the teacher, um, but you can really dig deeper with uh, one-on-one therapy and that, and that made quite a difference. Uh, I feel like the last year has been a year of shadow work of, of seeing why my response to things is the way that it is. And it's um, really helped me to, um, to be successful um, in life, in recovery, in all the things that I said. (laughs) That's, that's so beautiful and powerful that you have shared that it's like, you know, also a journey of self-discovery and that perhaps, you know, 
as recovering women that maybe we don't know everything there is to know yet about ourselves. Um, and what a beautiful way to kind of open that door and continue to evolve and continue to learn, you know, who you are and what you desire in the world. Um, what have you, what have you learned about yourself in this process as kind of that opening and that becoming? Um, well, I have learned that I am a social person and this lack of community um, has been really hard on me and that a lot of the, um, well, I guess talk about my relationship with alcohol is I, I was just sort of finding comfort in not feeling my feelings as uh, so often I did with other things, whether it be food or isolation or whatever. Um, and I learned that I was sort of believing the stories that I had been telling myself, which were just stories. They weren't actually the truth. And I kind of needed a little bit of someone to listen and then to sort of respond to what I was saying and um, to help me help me through all that. Um, because I think it's so easy for us to believe what we've been telling ourselves for so many years and um, when that's not actually even the truth. And so to actually go beyond and to see why um, we're reacting in this way, why, why we're telling ourselves these stories. Um, and then it, and it allows you to kind of work through it all and, and, uh, and then write a new story. <laughs> that's so beautiful. I love that you're writing a new, a new story and kind of on the heels of that as well. Do you feel, um, you know, as an individual receiving therapy, have you ever encountered like that, even that internal stigma of what it is to receive professional support? Or do you have any reflections on how, um, you know, how is it important to you to remove and smash the stigma that's often associated with receiving therapy? Well, for me, I think a lot of what I need to smash is my shame. And as a writer, when I put it all out there and it's all flapping in the breeze, as soon as I do that, I mean, I, you, you, I think I, I function, I think I'm going to be judged and I'm judging myself and all this stuff. And as soon as it's all out there, then there's no more shame. And instead of being met with judgment, I get met with me too from different people. And then that is the connection, right? That's what I'm looking for is connection and community to feel seen and heard and valued. And you get that from therapy. You get that when she recovers, you get that by being vulnerable and putting it out there. And um, so even though it was sort of hard for that first step, maybe like to actually go and seek help, um, once it's there, you're like, why didn't I do this 20 years ago? <laughs> it's like, we go to school, we have teachers and counselors, we go to university, there's teachers and counselors. And then it's like, you get a job and they're like, okay, great. Sink or swim with life. And so okay, if we're going to sink or swim, then I'll make an analogy. Like, I feel like I'm the captain of my ship, but that doesn't mean I know where I'm going. So I need to hire a navigator to help me along the way. And ultimately they're going to help me chart the course, but it's my decision to go in whatever direction that I want to go in. Absolutely perfect analogy. And I'm going to hold on to that because <laughs> I'm just imagining, you know, you sitting because you're, you're at your computer, of course, right? You're, it's an online thing. You mentioned feeling a little bit disconnected. So having this, 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 this ship steer, for lack of a better word, um, <laughs> you know, ha have you felt like you've been able to reignite that connection some? Yeah. So the one nice thing, I mean, obviously meeting with a therapist, um, weekly is great. Cause then I've got, you know, a, a set time where I can talk to somebody and feel that connection there, but, um, better help also, um, provides webinars or groupinars and, um, within the groupinar, there's obviously a presenter and then you've got people, um, in a chat that are, you know, saying stuff along the way. And even though I'm sitting here in my bedroom on the floor in the meditation station, um, like I'm still connected to those people and we're all talking about the same things. And it's in that way, it's absolutely, totally normal. And generally the person that's talking about this stuff is saying, this is my experience with this. I too suffer from anxiety or depression or whatever. So it's really, 
even though I'm alone in this room, sitting here at a computer, I am connected to all those people around the world and the group in ours, and I'm connected to my therapist. And yeah, so it, you don't feel alone, which is, I think, really important. Wow. Because what I'm hearing is not, so if I understand correctly, it's not only the individual therapy that you receive in your subscription, but you also have access to um, webinars and presentations that involve the community as well. Yeah. And then the other thing I thought was really amazing too, is that there are um, journal prompts every day and uh, you can choose to use them or not, but as soon as you uh, write your journal post, you can choose to have it linked to your therapist so that when, um, you know, whatever the journal prompt is, you write a blurb about it. um, And then they get a little bit more insight into what's going on in your mind. So it's not just a one-on-one thing for 45 minutes, like a week. It's here's what I wrote today, or what do you think of this? Or, you know, we can talk about this on Wednesday or what have you. <laughs> so your journal prompts, all like all you have to do is, as the, res- the person receiving the support is submit these reflections and it automatically goes to your therapist. Yeah, you can choose that. I mean, you could choose to just write it down and have it in your journal without sharing it with your therapist, but there's an option to do that, which I think is, well, for me, it was very helpful anyway. That's so brilliant. And I, mm-hmm. and I did want to take this opportunity to bring Jessica forward to jam on this for a second with us as well, because I can see um, Jessica's going to join us with her screen in a moment, but she's got her, her son there with her. So I can imagine that juggling self-care and prioritizing therapy and, and being a mom and taking care of all the things, you know, is probably a tall ask on any given day. So Jessica, I'm, I'm curious to know, how do you, um, how have you carved out time for this therapy and, and how is it benefiting your recovery? Um, well, the time has actually, um, been a little tricky to find. So he's two and a half. My daughter's four. My mom's currently with her in the washroom um, right now. Um, but my therapist was so, um, willing to work with my hours. Um, I, it's just me with the kids all day, every day. So, um, like a lot of times in the morning, like before they'd be up. So like six 30 in the morning, she was willing to meet with me, um, while they were still sleeping. And that was, that was really nice. Wonderful. So I'm hearing that perhaps the accessibility and, and the flexibility of being able yeah. to kind of be met right where you are is, is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And can you have your, can you have your kids in the session as well? So they were sometimes, unfortunately, we tried not to, um, again, with the journaling, like Susie was saying, it was handy because I would, I was able to journal and share that with her and she would almost go over it a little bit ahead of time. So we kind of, she knew like when we got into our sessions, it was kind of like right into what, um, I was going through for that week or whatever. Um, so it was, it was nice. Yeah. They, it's hard to juggle with the two of them. Of course. <laughs> Is there anything that you've learned about yourself through this process as well that you, that you maybe had didn't know, or you're getting to know yourself a little deeper? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm recovering from a lot of postpartum depression and anxiety, um, a divorce as well with their father and some codependency that I wasn't really aware of. Um, and she's, she really helped me with boundary setting, which is where I've kind of always struggled. Um, more of a people pleaser, the independent side of me wants to just make that more comfortable and yeah, being able to set boundaries and try and just prioritize myself as much as I can has been really, really beneficial for all three of us. Yeah. And I thank you again so much for your courageous vulnerability and your transparency, because there are all our folks who are joining us today who are also recovering from postpartum depression. Yeah. So by having this conversation and, you know, recovering out loud, because I know that can be difficult, right? Especially in online spaces where you're not able to perhaps see everybody um, that you are making an impact with your experience today. Is, is there um, a piece about, um, you know, had you attended therapy before, is there a piece about the, about the BetterHelp platform or perhaps the matching of your therapist or anything that had made a positive impact for you as well? Yeah, I've kind of dabbled, yes, honey. <laughs> I've, um, I've kind of dabbled through therapy since I was a teenager here and there. Um, post-divorce, I got more into it, um, obviously realizing so many things. And the nice thing with BetterHelp um, was like, like matching with my therapist. I've kind of struggled with connecting with a few therapists before and actually even on better help the first one that I met with um I just felt like there wasn't a connection and I do think kind of an instant connection is really important um and I was actually able to go through better help and choose um 
my therapist, Leticia, who was able, like she specialized in post-divorce recovery. She specialized um, in the postpartum. So she, she had gone through all the things that I was going through. So that was really special. And I hadn't had that with any of the, like Alberta health, you just kind of get assigned to somebody or the other ones which are so expensive and unaffordable. Like it was really tricky. So that was really nice. The matching process was great. Um, and the, like, I was able to text her throughout the week, which was really cool. Um, obviously your other therapist, it's kind of like a, you get to talk to them for that 45 minutes, but she would text me as many times as I text her throughout the week, um, on top of that. So that was really nice. Oh, wow. That's it. That's incredible to hear with the matching process. Did you have to go through the system and, and tell, you know, the BetterHelp platform what you were looking for? Did it match you automatically or was it actually it gave me like a list of just kind of what I was looking for in therapy, the things that I was wanting to work on. Um, and there was, there was so many options. So again, like the post-divorce recovery was the most important for me. And, um, yeah. And then it, it gave you like a list of all the therapists with what they did. Um, so you could pick, you could see their faces, you could see everything. Um, and yeah, it was really wonderful. That's so brilliant. Thank you. I'm just going to bring that question forward over to Susie as well, Susie. Um, well, I, I know that you had a bit of a different journey with the matching process. Um, you do bring a sense of humor and a lightheartedness to this experience. And I love how open you are to kind of following the lead. So I know it was a little bit different for you. I'd love to hear about your experience with the matching process in the pot. Yeah. So there was a bunch of questions that they asked and, um, I answered them and, um, I'd requested a female therapist and, and, and not religious and whatever. And so it was interesting because I was matched. And then when I was reading up about my therapist, I was like, I don't feel like this gentleman um, with a more religious background is sort of my style. And I, um, I decided I was going to change. I thought, well, I think the universe is telling me I should go with this guy. And then I thought, you know what? It's actually, maybe I should use my women's intuition and go with what I think is best for me. Um, So I did um, request a change and it was super easy. And I too saw the list of everybody and I was sort of scrolling through and I was reading everything. And then because I have a total woo woo witchy side, I was like, I need somebody that has, Oh, red dreadlocks and says that they do shamanism uh, and CBT skills and all the things that I was, you know, kind of like, okay, there's that part. And then there's this other part that um, just really suited me to a T um, and then I was really excited to, to land with Wendy and, and um, we just clicked, which is fantastic. Um, so it is really easy to, to switch and to sort of figure out who maybe you would want to have. <laughs> that's, that's so brilliant. So you went through the matching process. Uh, it obviously wasn't a fit for you. And then you had the opportunity to kind of manually go through who you felt would be a better fit and choose somebody. Is that correct? Yeah. And what you can do is you can sort of list off things that you would like help with. And then they sort of, you know, tailor the list down to a certain amount of people. And then um, you can go through those people and, and pick who you think would be a good match for you. Um, I will step in to share my personal experience for a second as well. In that as a recovering codependent perfectionist, you know, when in the past, when it had come to looking for a therapist, I, I would get lost in the research, right? I would spend hours upon hours on Google trying to figure out like who the perfect fit is for me. And what I'm hearing from you is that, you know, you, you, you saw it, it didn't feel like, like a match for you right at the beginning and you had other avenues to help you in that process. So perhaps you didn't get caught in a vortex of, of yeah. also trying to find, you know, the perfect fit. Does that sound congruent for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody's obviously well qualified. And then the, also the more groupinars that I did, I was like, oh, I saw that person. They're so good in this groupinar. I, I mean, they would have been fantastic too, right? So I, I don't think it's, um, there's a lack of, there's always going to be somebody that works with somebody. So it's, it's you know, there's a good variety of people and um, everybody seems to be really kind of spot on, well-informed, kind, um, and uh, yeah, good. <laughs> and was was there an interruption in your support when you were trying to find? Like, did you have to wait quite a while to to get Not at all. with Wendy? Oh, that's great news. No. Um, and today, why have you chosen to share your experience of attending therapy? Um, well, <laughs> as I said, I'm putting it all out there. 
because I don't want anybody to feel shame. And I don't think that, um, I feel like, like what I said before about, um, you know, putting it out there, you can learn from my experiences, uh, my triumphs or my defeats, you know, it's, it's sort of, you know, it's, it's, this is real life and we got to put it out there so that other people can see what's going on and realize that it's not just them. Um, and that this is, you know, perfectly normal. This, this is, this is, you hire experts for so many things, but when it comes to self-care, you don't go, Oh, Hey, I need somebody to do that. It's like, I need a professional makeup artist to do my makeup for my wedding. I need, you know, a plumber to fix my toilet. And when things aren't working in your head, maybe you don't go, Oh, I need a professional, but this is the opportunity. This is a really easy, low key, super um, effective way of, of self-care. Yeah. You bring up such a good point. I mean, it really is kind of the, sometimes our mental health can be the last thing that's on somebody's mind, but of course, no, you know, many people don't have a problem, you know, prioritizing the need for a personal trainer, right. For the, the yeah, therapy. exactly. So I wanted to bring that back over to Jessica as well and get your thoughts on, you know, Jessica, why do you think it is important um, for us as individuals and as a society in general um, that we normalize this, you know, this need or this seeking therapy? Um, I just think that it's important that everybody, like for myself, for example, that you're not alone. Like again, with the group in ours and the webinars, it was nice to see, like I was able to join a lot that were um, like parenting through a pandemic. Um, and you like in this time we have been so isolated. I mean, I've, and I'm a stay at home mom now and in a pandemic. So, you know, you do feel alone and you feel like you're going crazy and it's amazing to just hear other people going through the exact same thing. Um, and you think that nobody else is, you feel like you're crazy. You feel like you're the only one, but there are so many people that are going through the exact same thing. And it's just so nice to hear that. And so nice to feel heard. Yeah, in our, in our regular social circles, it's not something that really comes up as a topic, right? Again, right. I might speak about, you know, the getting my makeup done, um, you know, for a special event, or I might talk about going to the gym, but I'm not as likely to, to say to you, especially in small talk, hey, I'm seeing a therapist, right? So thank you, because I, I do feel that this conversation, you know, it can be part of that kind of small talk for people. And I did want to bring forward um, Hesu Jo from BetterHelp um, to share her thoughts and experiences. I have a few more questions for the both of you, but I really appreciate your reflections so far. Um, Hesu Jo is a licensed marriage and family therapist with experience providing individuals and family therapy in community mental health, school settings, day treatment facilities, and of course, via tele. Therapy. She is currently head of clinical operations at BetterHelp, which allows her to empower other therapists to be successful at bringing their skills online. And her current clinical focus and interest includes AAPI mental wellness, anxiety, relationship and family dynamics, trauma and gender identity. And for those who may have joined the session with Hesu a few months ago, she, she taught us a great deal about what trauma is and how we can receive a support and healing for that experience. Um, and to practice self-care, she also enjoys spending time with loved ones, including her dogs and cats, which are so welcome in this space. Um, yoga and fitness, going to the aquarium, snowboarding in the winter, and seeing live music all year round. Hey, Sue, you sound like someone I would love to spend time with. So thank you so much for being here. Um, and I do, my first question for you as well is the same. You know, why do you feel as a, as a therapist and a provider of these support services, why do you feel it's important for us to have discussions like this to normalize therapy? Um, thank you so much for that wonderful intro. And I'll get to that question in just a second, but I, I wanted to thank Jessica and Susie so much because listening to you talk about your testimonial and your experience with BetterHelp, so humbling for me and amazing to hear. Um, I deal with a lot of quality assurance. So, you know, this is real life. Not every single experience is going to be positive for somebody. And most of my day deals with a lot of the folks that we're trying to help have a better experience. So hearing about your wonderful experience and having a good time with scheduling and matching up and finding the right person. Um, I really hope and wish for that for everybody that encounters this service. So if, if you out there are listening and you ever do encounter an experience that doesn't feel the greatest for you, uh, please reach out to us because my team exists to help um, make those things better and find resolutions if there are issues. And getting back to that question, 
you know, you, you mentioned these are topics. These are things that we don't really talk about with our friends on a regular basis. It's not really like coffee table talk when you go visit your parents and they're like, how have things been? Well, you don't really talk about these things. So in these spaces that we curate, we talk about chosen family. I think about chosen venue and chosen space and chosen, you know, um, just time that we can take up with each other and, and time that we can spend on ourselves to talk about things that, you know, why is it that we, the question comes up, but why is it that we bury this stuff? And there's a lot of shame associated with talking about mental health, wellness, looking for help, seeking help, even the idea of like not being good enough and finding the right therapist for me. I think that is, you know, filled with a lot of shame for people too. Um, as the landscape is changing and people are finding more access to therapy, I think it leaves another vulnerable population of people that can't find the right therapist for them feeling bad in a different way. So I think it's important to talk about every kind of experience as much as we can. Um, I think Jessica brought it up. It's this experience of normalization. It's just knowing that you're not alone and not isolated in this experience that you've had, that somebody else may have gone through something quite similar. And even if not the exact same thing, there's something very powerful in sharing experience with another human. That's what we're hardwired for is to connect. And, and talking about these things, I think, connects us, um, exposing some piece of yourself so somebody else can be invited inside um, I think that's like really instrumental to healing as a collective of, of a group of people. Um, we're never alone in anything. Um, most of the time in suffering, it, we weren't alone in that either. Either there was somebody that's behind it, which we can learn to forgive and let go of. Um, and in our healing, I don't think we do that alone either. So in, in all stages of life, we do that in some kind of to togetherness mode. Um, so I think it's really important to talk about all of this on top of all the other things that we already talk about. Absolutely. And I love that you bring up, you know, that we're hardwired for connection and how, how interesting it is that, you know, we're hardwired through our community, you know, through our computers to be connected to better help online. Um, and, and Susie also mentioned that there was this sort of this learning or this unlearning, right. Of, of who she, who she was and who she wants to be. Do you find, I mean, would you say in, in your, professional opinion, um, does somebody need to come to you knowing what they want to do or knowing what needs fixing or what they might be struggling with? Or, you know, can people come to you and say, I don't know what I need, but something feels like it's missing? Oh, totally the latter. If, if I, you know, if I could say that my career is full of clients that knew exactly what they wanted to do, it wouldn't have been, I think, as interesting. Um, you know, people are, are, so beautiful to me because of how intricately complicated we are. You can't figure somebody out after a day, right? Like those of you that have been in long-term relationships, 20, 30, 40 years, you can probably still say that every so often you get caught off guard because you learned something new about your partner. And, and that's, that's so interesting about humanity and about people. There's so much stuff within us that we don't even realize sometimes um, and, and to demand for a client to know exactly what they want to work for is probably going to end pretty poorly for, right from the beginning, because what you described is exactly the situation that I think a lot of people find themselves in is like, I can't really articulate what's going on. I'm not really sure why I feel off. I'm not sure why I can't um, keep it together at work or my interpersonal relationships are beginning to suffer. I can't sleep well. And when I'm not well rested, I'm not able to function as well. Um, I don't know why, but I want to work on something. I think this is the mental space that is um, a fine place to be to make that decision that you're going to try looking for help. Because part of therapy, really, that beginning stage of therapy, the assessment period when your therapist is firing a ton of questions at you, they're trying to figure out something with you, right? They're they're beginning to pick a, paint a picture. Um, you might hear them use words like conceptualization. They're really wanting to understand some key parts about who you are to help accompany you, to walk along aside with you on your journey to self-discovery. So part of therapy is learning how to identify, learning how to articulate, learning how to acknowledge what you're feeling. Uh, because a lot of times we live our lives being raised in a way that we don't learn that stuff. Um, so of course, it's very hard to describe what it is that you need if you're not even sure what's going on. So if you just feel a little off, like you described, um, that's okay. And, and um, coming to therapy 
my hope for you is that that is where you will learn um, how to identify, articulate, and then address the thing that's, that's bothering you. Hi, Taryn here. I hope this episode of the She Recovers podcast is resonating with you. I just wanted to pop in to say, sometimes we may need support that goes beyond listening to an inspiring resource like this podcast, and that is okay. I know firsthand how helpful it can be to have a therapist, one who has earned the right to hear my story, to take every step of my healing journey alongside me, and you deserve to have this dedicated support too. We have partnered with the extensive network of licensed and accredited therapists at BetterHelp, that's Better, H-E-L-P, who are ready to take the next step in your healing journey with you by offering a 35% discount off your first month of online therapy until December 31st, 2021. To take advantage of this offer, please visit www.betterhelp.com srf. That's www.betterhelp.com forward slash srf. Please know that you are worthy of the time spent on your healing. So it kind of leads into my other question for you as well, because of this, you know, specialized online component in the work that you do. um, Would you say that online therapy is good for somebody who experiences a lot of kind of disconnection in the community or who might suffer from social anxiety? Like, do you find as a therapist that you're able to hold space for those folks who maybe wouldn't normally be able to access therapy because of social barriers? Totally. I, uh, what an important question. And it's almost kind of like whatever I'm about, about to say, I could hear myself responding to myself like, yes, Captain Obvious. Yes. It's especially with social anxiety or other things like agoraphobia or fears of XYZ that may exist outside of your home. Um, Online therapy is such a good option for folks like this because, you know, the other alternative is to continue telling yourself like, yes, I'm going to make the appointment and yes, I'm going to drive myself to this office. And then you keep pushing it off week after week after week after week because of all of the various issues that are very difficult to overcome by yourself. With the online option, you just need a computer or a smartphone and solid internet connection, um, which I know not everybody has access to that either. So if you do have access to all these things that I've said, um, you know, now you have this opportunity to engage with someone, to connect with someone who is a licensed professional. You're not confined or you know, frankly, restrained from being able to go to this stuff because you don't have a car or because your schedule's really busy. Um, this idea that I don't have time for 45 minutes to myself each week, that's probably why you're having some issues now if you can't carve out time to take care of yourself. You mentioned earlier in this call that people have no issue prioritizing things like a trainer um, or maybe even like putting money into somebody that's going to clean your house for you. Like all these things that you find to be important to lessen some kind of load so that you can have time back for yourself. Consider mental and emotional wellness as one of these top priorities, because if you're not able to feel well, or if you're not even feeling like you're functioning, like everything else is going to fall out of place. Um, So the online option, of course, affords you something that's very discreet, um, but it's something that's just convenient. It's something that at the end of the day, you can tell yourself, like, if you didn't do it, that's on you. And and I think that's really important in the therapeutic healing process, too, is to start taking, taking ownership of your life. Nobody's at fault for being a victim of trauma. It's never your fault for being on the receiving end of something really tragic and horrible. But we as individuals, I think, do have a responsibility to ourselves to take care of ourselves um, and to really get into an active space where we're taking charge and trying things Um, If we're in a space that feels dark, that feels hopeless, it's going to stay that way if you don't try something different. So brilliant. And I know that you would be okay with me bringing this forward. Susie, one of our speakers has said, it feels super safe because you're in your own home and you don't have to make an appointment and get yourself to the office. And perhaps you don't have to put on pants if you don't want to. Right. So what I'm hearing is a a sense (laughs) of comfort and a a sense of being your own kind of personal authority on, on, you know, how, how you feel ready to show up. Um, And, and I know, again, because I mentioned pre- you had a previous session with us where you talked about all, all things about what is trauma and how do we heal. And so, you know, as somebody who's been in this space for some time and seen the online landscape evolve and adapt right to uh, multiple pandemics, um, 
something at the beginning that I noticed was there was a lot of talk at the beginning that trauma therapy wasn't possible online, that there was, that there was still going to be, you know, some sort of disconnection um, between the client and the provider because of being online. Now I have my own opinions on how that has evolved to the, to actually be the opposite, but I'm curious to know um, from your perspective, can trauma therapy be provided online and why, and why is online maybe perhaps an even better tool for, for folks who are, victims of trauma? Um, Loaded question. I, you know, when I take a step back and I think about the people that are asking that question or making that point, trying to make that point that online option is not going to be as effective. I'm hoping that the folks coming with this perspective, they want what's best for client care also, right? It could be that folks that are resistant to trying this new format are thinking, in-person is the traditional way. In-person is the way that we have a lot more research and literature to back up the efficacy. In-person is what we're all used to. In-person should stay. And I agree, in-person shouldn't go anywhere. Um, But the idea that an industry can't change or have some kind of evolution in it is how you keep it from evolving. And You know, when you think about how old the delivery of therapeutic services, it's not that old at all. It's only a couple hundred years at most. And to say that we're stopped in point, like some stagnant point in time that it's never going to change, that we can only do it one way. um, I think that's a disservice to all of us as humanity, as we move forward in a progressing society and evolving cultural space um, to say that we're going to keep therapy the way that it was a hundred years ago while our communities continue to evolve and change to different circumstantial needs of our world. Um, I think that's silly. So um, yes, of course, I think that trauma can be treated online. I think tons of things can. And, you know, I've, I've shared this kind of analogy in my mind in so many places that I've spoken about this thing It's because it's so true to me. If we're going to trust the internet to help us found, find our spouses We're going to trust the internet to sign off on a bunch of really important paperwork to close on a house, to put my entire life savings into purchasing property. If I'm going to choose the internet or trust the internet to educate my child, um, if I'm going to trust the internet to get my groceries delivered, make sure the food that is safe for me, there's all these things that we've already adopted the internet for as a really viable option to keep our lives healthy and, you know, get the access to the things that we need. Um, so this resistance to thinking that like therapy can't be delivered online effectively, I have a lot of questions. I want to interview the person that thinks that way. It's like, well, let's, let's talk about that. So I can understand. Cause I still have a really hard time wrapping my head around, um, being open to more options, right? It's obvious that there's brokenness in our mental health systems. I'm in the U S you're in Canada. I'm sure it's very similar. And I see it across the globe access to mental health care is really hard to come by for a lot of marginalized communities and bringing it online just creates access. Like I just, I, I, I don't know how else to explain, like, why would this be a bad thing? Um, Of course, there's going to be situations where it's not ideal. um, But if the alternate is to have zero care, zero options, some part of me is like, we got to try something. we got to try everything. And, and, you know, with the treatment of trauma, I think some people may be resistant thinking like you can't make an intimate connection the way that you need for the healing properties of, of trauma therapy. But again, it's like if people are finding their spouses, which to me is one of the most intimate relationships you can have with someone and you create this deep connection with someone over video, over messaging, of course, you're getting to bear your heart and your soul to someone. You can totally do that with your therapist online too. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of evidence-based treatments for trauma. And so many of these things have been adapted to be delivered online now. You've probably heard of EMDR. You know, prior to COVID, it was pretty controversial to try to offer this online. But people evolved. People stepped up to try to bring something and make it workable so that we can continue to bring healing when everybody's stuck at home. So I know that was super long-winded. I could go on about this forever, um, but it's a really important topic and a really important question. So thank you. Yeah, and thank you for your passion around it, because what I'm also hearing is that, you know, we're looking at things as they're evolving, right? And, and that perhaps sometimes as professionals, maybe some folks who do look at the data, kind of forget to have conversations like this, you know, where we're asking people like Jessica and Susie, you know, what's been your experience? Because 
from what I'm hearing from both of them, it, you know, it's only served them to their benefit and, and provided a deeper care and have been more accessible. So thank you for the reminder as well, that it's about the connection with the people that you're working with and you're kind of on the front lines there, you know, supporting therapists and individuals on both sides. And so I deeply appreciate your reflections because, you know, it's the conversations like this where we learn, well, actually it is beneficial and helpful. And that's so cool to learn about the EMDR piece as well. And that we're discovering through practicing these things that it is possible and it can be effective. Um, and you brought up a point about safety. So I just kind of wanted to ask you in general for folks who are tuning in, you know, who are maybe a bit hesitant to participate online, you know, is their privacy protected in this space? Yes. So that's a really good concern to have in this day and age. We Everybody hears about this stuff, data, privacy, how's my data handled? Um, so the first thing is we have a privacy policy and it outlines everything in, in technical jargon. If everyone, anyone is ever interested in checking that out, so it's betterhelp.com slash privacy. So that's where everything is outlined in terms of what data is collected and how it is used. Um, I will say right now, if you go in there, there's a lot of language that I don't even understand. It's really technical, but um, ultimately you know, the conversations and the content between you and your therapist are confidential the way that they would be in an office. And, um, you know, the way that the therapists are storing their documentation, in my mind, it's even more secure than what's traditional, which is to keep your hard copy papers in a file cabinet locked away in an office, which is prone to breaking in, being broken into, which is prone to physical damage, you know, but with what we're doing now, this word, it's like we've revolutionized the way that care is being delivered and the way that therapists can access their tools and store their notes securely and have access to those in a secure way. Um, if you also go to betterhelp.com slash privacy, or excuse me, betterhelp.com slash FAQ, there's a couple of questions in there that you can read the answers um, in terms of what is um, can be expected in, how, in terms of how your data is used. So you'll see that um, we have you know, encryption involved. Like, like I said, I'm not a super technical person, uh, but we have a cybersecurity team that's working to keep all of the really sensitive information secure. So the cybersecurity team folks is even bigger than our clinical operations team. So I'll tell you how much we prioritize this stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, all of the live sessions. So that's live video, phone and chat. None of that content is recorded or stored anywhere. It's not monitored. So it's very, it's mimicking the very private nature of a live therapy session. It's just, it happens between you and your therapist. And once it's over, that's it. Nobody can witness what happened in that room besides you and therapist. Um, and then, you know, similarly to offline traditional practice, if ever you would like for your therapist to communicate with somebody whether that's like maybe you have a physician or a prescribing doctor for something, or even you have like a caseworker outside in your community and you want your therapist to talk to them, they can't just talk to them, right? All of the privacy and confidentiality laws still apply to these folks because they're independent con contractors that are still licensed with their respective governing boards. They still have to get your signature. They have to get your permission, right? For to, a consent to release information if they're ever going to do that stuff. Um, so having a concern around privacy is important in, I think, overall, just beyond your life, beyond therapy. So if you want to think about that stuff, it's good to educate yourself on what a company is actually doing. So that's why it's important to review terms and conditions, betterhelp.com slash terms. All this stuff is available to you. And as a prudent consumer, I think it is in your best interest to read what you're signing up for. So you know exactly how your information is being used. Thank you so much for that. And you bring up, you actually brought up um, so a, a segue to a question that a community member is asking. So I'm going to bring forward. Um, they've asked, I'm, or they've mentioned, I'm currently under the care of a psychiatrist. Can my therapist work with and share session details with my psychiatrist given my permission? Um, yeah, so that's going to, you know, is you'll want to talk to your therapist directly. If you're not yet a BetterHelp user and this is something that is a hangup for you and you're not really sure if you're going to be able to get um, engaged in some kind of coordinated care, um, I don't want to say that I can guarantee that every therapist is willing to do this. Um, we are a very large network. I think we're around 24,000 providers now. And so with a network that large, you're going to have diversity in terms of 
their treatment approach and how they conceptualize cases and how they're willing to move forward with coordinated care. So while I can't say that 100% of the therapists are willing to do those things, many of them are. So it's really important on you as a client to have your questions prepared when you first get matched with someone, because if this person is not going to be able to fulfill your needs or help you move forward in the journey that you want, you can change therapists really easily. It was mentioned earlier, but in your account, you just have to click a couple of buttons to change therapists. And if you're looking for something specific, like you know, coordinated care, ongoing communication with a psychiatrist, it might take you a few tries before you find somebody that's well-versed in being able to work in that way. Um, but it's certainly possible. It's certainly happening. Um, so, you know, you can help yourself um, in therapy if you have these specific needs um, to bring that up very upfront, right? So that you know whether this person can do what you're looking for. And if not, you can change therapists so that neither of you is caught off guard or surprised by anything. That's perfect. Thank you so much. And I'll just take this opportunity too to remind anybody who may have joined us uh, later in the webinar um, that we are talking about BetterHelp. And right now, BetterHelp does have a discount available to anyone who's tuning in um, to receive 35% off online therapy until December 31st. So please do visit betterhelp.com forward slash SRF to take advantage of all of the things that we've spoken about so far. Um, our speakers at the beginning mentioned that they were able to, to find a therapist through an online portal. Um, some of them were able to be matched with a therapist. Somebody else was also able to change, change their therapist and find a better match. So please do visit betterhelp.com forward slash SRF to take advantage of 35% off today. Um, and hey, so you also mentioned, um, you know, this client driven approach um, with BetterHelp, where, you know, as the client, I can kind of essentially choose how I, I wish to engage or, or participate in my own experience. And so I'm curious to know as well, um, how, how do folks connect with their therapist? Because we heard from Susie, she mentioned something about being able to text. They both, Jessica and Susie both spoke about a journal, uh, you know, ability to submit through a journal. So can you just tell our listeners a little bit about how they can connect with their therapist once they get matched? Yes. Um, one of the questions you asked earlier, I think I wanted to answer that. So I, I stored it away mentally. I think you had asked whether we ask um, if somebody prefers messaging or video sessions or something like that. And that is um, a space in the early questionnaire that you'll have an opportunity to provide some info on. But ultimately, every member will have access to all live session types and messaging. So once you sign up and once you get matched with your therapist, whenever you log in, your main page is going to look like a messaging portal. So that's where you can message with your therapist back and forth. It's not in real time. It's more like email. So if you send a message, chances are your therapist will see a notification. That depends on do they have push notifications on their phone, like all that kind of stuff. But you'll send off a message and it's similar to email. So they'll see it when they see it and they'll respond when they can. So most therapists now are letting their clients know um, very early on. And if you are if you find that your therapist doesn't do this, it's, it's more than in your right to ask, how often do you respond? How, when can I expect um, that you'll be online? And, you know, many therapists like myself will let you know, like, you can message me at 2 a.m., but I'm not going to answer because I'm sleeping. <laughs> I'm a real human. I'm not a 24-7 therapist in your pocket. But the messaging is available so that we can message back and forth, not in real time. If you want to talk to me in real time with my undivided attention, that's where these live sessions come in. So the booking system is also quite easy. Um, you know, if you're used to traditional therapy in person, you probably have some experience with the back and forth. I've left a voicemail for my therapist. So I want to schedule for this date. She calls me back, but I'm busy. So she leaves a voicemail asks, saying this date and this time works. So then I have to catch her again sometime on the phone. And at this point, a week has already passed. So in our system, the scheduling is a lot faster because the therapists mark their open slots on a schedule and you as a client can only see and book those open slots. So there's no need for back and forth. You just click, click, boom, you're booked. Um, and at the booking time, you can select whether it's a video session, a phone session or a live chat. So, you know, you know, I've, I've had clients who prefer to do live chat if their kids are in the room and they don't have as much privacy, for example. Um, I have clients that prefer to do video sessions only, and we almost never message each other. So I really see a diversity in terms of how clients want to engage. And that just speaks to how diverse people are, right? So um, trend-wise, before COVID and after COVID, we've actually noticed a lot of differences. 
So before COVID, there's a lot more messaging going on. And after COVID, we're really seeing a shift. More people want to engage in live sessions. I don't know where this is coming from exactly. I can make some guesses. I think a lot of people are lonely and being able to connect in this live way with another person, um, I think is a welcomed um, you know, break to the isolation at home. So in any case, like most of the users now are engaging on in pretty regular weekly live sessions, whether that's phone, video, or chat. Um, and I think right now, the last time we checked, which is not too long ago, about 20% of users are not really engaging in live sessions, but rather primarily messaging. Um, and I, I bring that up to just say, if you out there are someone that prefer to uh, express yourself in written communication, you can find a therapist here that is willing to work with you in that way too. Um you know, some therapists are not really into writing a lot of messages. So if you get someone like that, but that's not your communication style, it's another reason to change therapists and look for somebody that's a good match for you. That's perfect. Thank you. And I am seeing some more community questions coming through. So just wanted to speak to the collective to say, absolutely. If you have questions for any of our speakers today, please do feel free to bring them forward so we can have them answered. Um, somebody else has asked, I am part of the LGBTQ community. Are there therapists avail available specific to my life experience? Absolutely. So on the therapist end, um, they can actually indicate whether they'd be a good match for somebody if they identify as being part of the community themselves. And this is like self-disclosure. So therapists don't have to mark that if they don't want to, but if they want to, that's something that they can mark. So if you on your end client um, mark on your questionnaire that you prefer to be matched with a therapist as part of the community, we'll try our best to do that based on who's available. Um, but we also have therapists opting in saying that this is an area that they are knowledgeable on, but they themselves are an ally. So that's another thing that you can look for. Um, another really good question to ask early on. Um, since I think there are some considerations to consider for a professional in this space. So, um, Again, a long-winded answer to basically say, yes, this is something that you'll be able to find. That's fantastic. Thank, thank you so much. And I, I missed these comments before, but Jessica and Susie have both said how much they appreciate how fast and accommodating their therapists were to respond. And Susie also mentioned that she started with an audio session and then went to video. So Susie, I'd actually love to bring to bring you forward to answer because hey, Sue was mentioning, um, you know, she wasn't quite sure perhaps uh, why folks may, may start in a different format and then transfer to video. So I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, I don't know. I just wasn't really confident. I didn't really look, I kind of felt that like on the phone would be a little bit more safe. And, um, and just to sort of feel, feel, you know, feel out the session. And then um, when the person responding, my therapist was super chill and, you know, sounded amazing and was clicking with me. I thought, okay, now, now I'll open it up to the video. <laughs> And maybe I didn't wear makeup or I don't know, it was something like that, you know, just, <laughs> just wanted to feel good about it going in. And I guess audio is a safer. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And, and just before we kind of close up, I'd love to hear Susie from you as well as Jessica and Hesu. Um, you know, what advice do you have for anyone who might be listening today who may feel hesitant or is struggling to reach out um, for therapeutic support, what advice do you have for those folks who are listening? Um, well, again, for me, the hardest part of the journey is the first step. And so um, if you start that, if you start it, then it all gets easier. And um, well, there's a C.S. Lewis quote that I just really liked and I'll share it now because it was, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And I feel like therapy in this platform is like having somebody to hold your hand along the way. Yeah, I love that image of, of having somebody walking alongside you, right? Just mm -hmm. because we're separated by our devices 
you know, what I'm learning from this conversation is that it actually can be a conduit for deeper connection. So thank you for bringing that forward. Um, Jessica, I'd love to hear from you as well. What advice um, to other, you know, moms and women who may have experienced similar life experiences to you? What advice do you have for them? Just take time to do it. Like, again, I had to make it work at six o'clock in the morning or 6.30, but I never once left my session feeling worse. I never, like, I always felt heard and uplifted and confident, kind of just ready for my day ready to take on whatever situation so just just do it you'll you'll never feel worse I don't think it's possible beautiful and how many times um, one of the questions that I saw brought up in the community was how often do you meet with your therapist so Jessica what was that like for you I met with mine once a week through video I preferred the video chat um, and then again throughout the day um, sometimes throughout the week we would message as well so there was kind of constant support, whereas I know with my other therapy that I had been doing um, just once a month because of how expensive it was. It was just a once a month, 50 minute thing. There was no um, added support throughout the week or those other days that are maybe a little more difficult than the others. So that was really, really beneficial. Perfect. Thank you so much. It sounds like the accessibility piece is, is almost just as helpful as the, the actual sessions themselves, like just knowing that there's, there is somebody there for you. Um, and hey, Sue, I, I'm curious to know um, if someone does need to cancel a session for whatever reason um, or needs to reschedule, what does that look like? How much time does an individual have to do that? I mean, technically, you can cancel all the way to a minute ahead of your session, you'll have the ability to do that. There's like a cancel button. Also, you get you get reminded that your session is tomorrow. You get reminded that your session's in 30 minutes. You get a reminder that your session's starting right now. And in all these emails, you can cancel it from there. So that's the technical piece, right? But I also want to remind folks that your therapist is another real person that carved out this time for you. So those last minute cancellations you know, they're a disruption to the therapist's schedule and what they're expecting that day. Um, so it's it's really helpful if you can cancel at least 24 hours ahead of time. And that's just like a courtesy thing. But honestly, all therapists, they're going to say something about this to you in the very beginning, what they prefer, if they have some kind of policy, what they would like for you to do if you need to cancel ahead of time. Um, and of course, everybody understands life happens. If you can't get to your computer, you can't cancel it and you don't show up. Chances are your therapist is going to ask, are you okay? Um, sorry, I missed you, something like that. And then you'll have a chance to process what it was like for both of you to miss that session. Um, realize that I'm so long-winded with all this stuff, but I, I just want to say that like, yes, you can cancel. Um, and hopefully you'll have had an opportunity to talk about the implications of canceling a session with your therapist too. I have to say, I deeply appreciate the long-winded responses because it is, I mean, it is the grace of a therapist, right? To manage expectations and to know, um, you know, what those people who are seeking help might, what information they might want to know. So thank you for so much for going into detail because I know that anyone tuning in right now is finding all of that extremely helpful. It's it's just thorough is how, is how we see it. Absolutely. Um, and as a professional kind of on the other side and, and this person who is often, you know, walking alongside um, these folks, as Susie has mentioned, um, what advice do you have for people who are tuning in who may be feeling hesitant to reach out? Um, so many things, but, uh, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, folks that identify as women, you've probably found yourself feeling a lot of external pressure to perform, to please, to accommodate, to serve, to be available, emotional labor. Like this is the role of so many women um, and that's caring for others. And then that's highly valued in our society. Like she's such a caring person. She's always there for someone else. How often are you there for yourself? How often are you going out of your way to make sure you are healthy? How often are you making a big effort, like getting up at 6 a.m. to make sure your needs are taken care of? So if you're willing to wake up in the middle of the night to go get your stranded friend at a bus station, my hope is that you would get up in the middle of the night to help yourself if you need to also. Self-care is sometimes about not just like having bath bombs and getting a treat delivered to your door. Self-care is sometimes about getting into an uncomfortable place to make sure your needs are met, to make sure you're healthy, you're well, which will ultimately lead to happiness. Um, so folks, if, if you feel stuck, um, something I really would want to impart on you is that you know, this was already said in more ways or another, sometimes you just got to do it. You got to take one step forward and get yourself to try um, because then at least you can say that you tried. 
Um, and, and once you make that effort, once you start taking care of yourself, then you will start to experience what it is to love yourself, which is, I think the culprit behind so much mental unwellness is when you don't love yourself. And so I really want folks to, to hear this, to soak it in. You are worthy of your love. You deserve your love more than anybody else, but we're so good at giving that love away. Keep some, give it back to you. (laughs) Thank you for that precious reminder. I can see people doing, Susie's doing the, the twinkle thing that we like to do and she recovers when something resonates. And Absolutely. And that's it's, what I'm hearing is it's part of, it's the radical part of self-care. And so if anyone has just heard the, these impassioned messages from the women in the space today, um, you deserve the relentless care. You deserve some of that love for yourself. So please do take advantage of the 35% off discount that BetterHealth is so graciously offering anybody tuning in today by visiting um, www.betterhelp.com forward slash SRF. Because if we've learned anything, you know, we all we all deserve um, to have that time carved out for ourselves and that it is possible, as Jessica has mentioned, um, you know, to go to any length to make sure that your mental health is is prioritized as much as anyone else in your life. So thank you. Thank you all so much for bringing your grace, your wisdom, your vulnerability, your courage to this conversation. It's been deeply impactful for everybody participating um, and for sharing your heart's experience. And also thank you to everyone who does make this series possible. Thank you so much to BetterHelp for lending again the wisdom of Hesu to this conversation. We deeply appreciate being able to have this discussion with you and also for the $100,000 donation that BetterHelp has provided to our organization so we can have conversations like this. And thank you most importantly as well to anyone who is tuned in today um, for showing up, for holding space, for bringing forward your questions and for and for stepping into some of that radical self-care that we talked about. I just wanted to make a, a quick mention that next Monday we have art therapy for people in a hurry with uh, a very good friend of mine and art therapist, Jody Strom. So we're really looking forward to that same time, same place, 11 a.m. PST next Monday. And to learn more about Mental Health Monday and all of our upcoming sessions, please, please visit sherecovers.org forward slash mental health Mondays. So thank you again to our speakers, to Susie, to Jessica. You, you both are incredible. To Hesu, I would just wish that we could have this conversation for hours. Um, thank you so much for being here. If you would like to weave the thread of connection with She Recovers beyond this podcast, please consider joining our free She Recovers Together community, twice daily online gatherings, and trauma-informed She Recovers yoga and dance sessions. Visit sherecovers.org to learn more. And if you found this podcast helpful, please consider sharing with others who may benefit. We would love to also receive your rating and review of the She Recovers podcast on your favorite platform. And if you feel inspired to become a supporter of our Lifeline organization and help us reach our goal of raising $50,000 before the end of 2021, please consider making a donation today by visiting sherecovers.org and clicking donate. Your contributions are what make all of our accessible recovery touch points and resources such as this podcast possible.